again to the Strange Roof Podcast. My name is Jason Barnard and it's such an incredible privilege to have Jim Lee here, one of Britain's songwriting legends. As well as playing a host of instruments in Slade, he's uh, written and co-written all the songs in Slade. You've just heard Lost in Space, which is from Jim's recent Lost in Space EP, which is uh, excellent. And we're playing uh, songs from that and as well as Jim's solo career and Slade throughout today's podcast. Welcome, Jim. Nice to speak to you, Jason. Tell us about the uh, your new EP, Lost in Space. Um, that song in particular has got more of a sort of pop sensibility as opposed to some of your other material, which is a bit rockier. Yes, it, it is a rock EP. There are six tracks, but as always, you've got to have something that's having a go at the radio. What was the inspiration in terms of the lyrics? It does... In terms of your songwriting, do you, do you work on a number of levels in that you can hear the song kind of taken on a literal sense and then there's more hidden meaning in terms of your own life? Oh, yeah. I'm a past master at doing that. I think the thing is with songwriting, especially someone who's got my brain, and I suppose a lot most creative people are like this, your brain is doing, doing things for you all the time and you don't even realize what you're writing about. You think you're writing about something else. In this case, it was a friend of mine uh, who had a problem not being social, but he could only be social for so long then he had to go off and be on his own. But on listening to it since, I realized that it's actually about yours truly. And uh, it's me that's lost in space. And, And everybody who knows me uh, if they're, they're talking to me, they'll say, where are you, Jim? And, uh, and I'll say, oh, right, yeah, what, we, what are you talking about? No idea. You know, so we've been talking here for the last half an hour about whatever it is they're talking about. You know, don't you even know what we've been talking about? I said, I haven't had a word. You know, that's why I'm lost in space. <laughs> so it's the same when I'm crossing the road. It's dangerous. Uh, it's the same when I'm driving the car. Dangerous. But... Uh, I've uh, got a technique now for driving. I'll, I'll leave huge gaps between me and the car in front. <laughs> so that's my uh, my remedy. You're very, very well known for the, the range of instruments that you, you played in Slade. Am I right to assume that in terms of your solo work, you've you've played most of the instruments yourself? All. All of the instruments. You know, I don't think it's any big deal. You know, it, uh, you know I don't really think about it. It's just... It's just that if you can just pick up the instrument and just play something and it fits, you know, or it's, uh, you know, whatever it is, you know, uh, it's fine by me. And, and uh, I don't see any reason to start, you know, messing about with other people saying they can't make it on that date for the recording session or whatever. There's no point. Just just do it myself. Our second track today is Through the Fire. That's got more of a, a rock sensibility. And it's interesting listening to your solo work. Because when you hear it for the first time, you think, oh, that sounds like that rock band. But then then of having to kind of 
do a sense check and think, wait a minute, Slade influenced that band, so obviously it's going to sound that that band. It's, it's got a bit of a Metallica feel for that one, but then Slade's influence is everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't I don't really know anything about Metallica, to tell you the truth. And mm. I, I know the drummer uh, may have said, I know he's a big fan of Diamond Head, mm. uh, a band from around the Midlands. Uh, you know, I, I was told that he was a, he was a Slade fan as well. Mm. So maybe I don't know. In that song, there's a, there's a reference there. She came in through the bathroom window. Is that a, a little nod to the Beatles? Uh, yeah, it is. You know, the thing is with me, I'm terrible for as it's going along. I just you know I get into it, and then uh, as, as that thing was going down in the middle, you know, we got this dong dong dong. You know, I just I just thought oh. Mm. She came in through the bathroom window. I can't even remember how I said it now, but uh, yeah, she came in through the bathroom window and, you know, only messing about. And then the engineer says, do you want to keep this? And I said, well, I said, well I'll keep it for now. And uh, and it stays on the track because when it isn't there, you get, you get used to hearing it, you know. So it got stuck on there. Is it is it an easier process now working in a solo setting as opposed to when you've got three other band members and, and negotiating the sound? Uh, yeah, in a band. I mean, obviously, it's a ready-made sound because uh, the band has its sound anyway. Mm. But for me, it's it's far easier just you know just to uh, it's a for, it's it's a more direct path if you're doing if you're doing it DIY in in the band. Uh, I did all the arrangements. I told everybody what to play. I ran it through with them, showed what to showed them what to play, and then we went went and put it down. That was in in the seventies. That's how we did it. But as as recording technology came in, it became necessary to do things one at a time to to make it sound tighter. I, I have to give the Stones praise here because they managed to have it sounding tighter. I don't know how they did it. may have done it by computers or whatever. But it also sounds loose as well. So it's loose and tight at the same time. I suppose that, that's what I was after in the, in the Slade days, to, to, you know, to make it tight, but not too tight. Not like a machine. The machine thing is horrible. The same sample yeah. of the same singer, yeah, he didn't sing it three times. There's no difference, you know. If, you know, with Slade, I mean, there was always, um, we never did any of that. We, in fact, we didn't even know how to do it, you know. <laughs> we never we weren't that, that bothered about technology. And, and, and when technology came along, and, and I, it was me who was confronted with it, because I was the one sort of dealing with the music, and it took ages to do anything. And, oh, dear, 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 what a pain in the butt. But, you know, I use technology now, but... You know, uh, as you can probably tell by the EP, you can hear it's sort of loose all over the place. You know, it's not, it's not perfect. You know, and that that's what gives it that edge. You know, and a bit of excitement. Yeah, you can hear that. You can hear that in Through the Fire, for example. Uh, yes, absolutely.
written so many tracks. How how far does your songwriting sort of go back to? And, and were your first efforts with the whole of Slade in terms of that band, or were you kind of always working on tunes? Was Chaz Chandler kind of an influence in, in encouraging you? He encouraged me, yeah. But uh, but the thing is, uh, I, I did a question and answer uh, thing on November the 5th last year at the Robin Hood R&B Club in Bilston. Mm. And uh, it, it was all sold out and everything, and you know, all the money was got, went to charity to uh, Dementia UK, and everybody was happy to be there and happy to see me. And and it was it was really good. It was, it, was a, it was a very emotional atmosphere. But one of the questions that came up was, what was the first song you ever wrote? Well, the first song they ever wrote uh, or started to, started on was "How Does It Feel" from the movie. You know, do you know that song? Yeah, I mean, of course. So it was the melody behind that song, which you you kind of came to later. Yeah, exactly. So, but uh, you know, the ding 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 ding. I'd done that on a rotten old piano that, that hardly worked, uh, and and I was I would have been about in my late sort of thirteenth year, I think. Something like that. So this question came up. What's what's the what's the no? The question was, what's the best song you ever wrote? And I said, how does it feel? And uh, and then then <laughs> I said, actually, it was the first song I ever wrote. And in that case, it was downhill from there there on. <laughs> so if the, if the first song song you write is the best you've ever done, well. <laughs> <laughs> what did you say about the rest? <laughs> I don't think there's anything wrong with the rest, Jim. Really? No, there isn't anything wrong with the rest. I know, but it's it's a, it's it's an interesting uh, philosophical discourse, you know, to try and make sense of it. You know, mm. how can that be? Uh, but anyway, everybody laughed on the day, and and everybody got the sort of you know the the sort of nonsensical mm. uh, philosophical view of it, you know. But uh, that 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 is my favourite Slade song, and uh, that it was difficult to get to the band the band to uh, to latch on to it because they couldn't mm. they'd never come across anything like that before. I mean, in the sixties when we were doing Tamla Motown, a lot of that was quite complicated, mm. but that, that they latched onto that easily because we would have been copying a record and then playing it, you know, uh, in our early days. Talking about early days, I heard something on the. Um, on the radio this morning, on Radio 2, it was talking about Radio 2 explores psychedelia. And it was going on about Pink Floyd to Sansa, Sansa, this to that. And then it said, Ambrose Slade to Frank Zappa. <laughs> <laughs> and my grandson was with me. He said, did you say Ambrose Slade? I said, yeah, I've never heard Ambrose Slade on the radio before in my life. <laughs> so we're going to be in there somewhere. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, I think there's I think there's a song from that that period that that's been on a, a psychedelic compilation somewhere. Really? Yeah, uh, yeah. So, oh, is it is it Journey to the Centre of Your Mind? It's um, delighted to see you. Oh, it's not psychedelic. That's, that's <laughs> no, that's that, <laughs> that's horrible. <laughs> it's just horrible pop. We did. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't want to record the song. Uh, we recorded it in Abbey Road. The Beatles were in the next studio, and I thought they'd gone potty, so all I could hear was this, <laughs> and it went on all the time we were there. And of course, and I, and I thought, that's it, they've gone bonkers, you know, they're on drugs, you know, <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. Of course, when Strawberry Fields came out, I realized that, they were, that that's where they were making the sound, the backward, the backward cymbal and the backward hi-hat. For, for strawberry fields, you know, and that's what they were doing. So they were way ahead of the time. Those guys. Oh God, how how good were they? Wow. Mm. I mean, you in that sixties period, you were st- you're still doing some really interesting material. I think predominantly covers. You know, singles like "You Better Run" are still uh, stand up. I, I never liked that either. That that was done in uh, in Denmark. <laughs> 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 I'm, I'm a good critic of them. I don't need a critic to criticise me. I'm a critic of myself. Uh, no, uh, we, we recorded that in Denmark Street in, in London. In, um, 
Oh, dear, dear, dear. The, the, uh, the name of the studio escapes me at the, moment, at the moment, but it's where the Stones recorded their first album. It's where Paranoid was, was recorded, Black Sabbath. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and, but we were in there in 1966 with this strange guy named Kim Fowley. Ah, yeah. now, now, he was a, a psychedelic guy mm. uh, and didn't, didn't uh, go on the rails at all. He was definitely a strange one. And um, uh, we were with him. We were walking down the street, and it was in the summer. And uh, and there was, we walked between two buildings, and it was uh, light. The sunlight was shining. He said, "Hey guys, just stop here and uh, let's catch some rays." <laughs> and uh, you know, and and uh, and so we did that. And uh, he said, "Hey guys," he said, "I gotta go now." He said, uh, "I gotta go to a Beach Boys party." And I said, a Beach Boys party? I said, what are you going to a Beach Boys party for? He said, well, uh, Good Vibrations is number one in, in the British chart this week, and, uh, and, and uh, I co-produced it. And so off he went <laughs> to co-produce Good Vibrations, which is one of, the, you know, one of the records that was really stepping out you know, into the future, mm -hmm. leaving everything else behind. Uh, and off he walked and <laughs> went to the party. He always used to write letters to Dave, uh, you know, Dave Hill. Oh, yeah. and, and, he, and he'd be writing letters. And, and the writing would, would always start bigger on the one side, then go up, up the page, <laughs> and then get smaller. And then it would carry on like that until in the end. It was almost like a paisley. <laughs> um, and then at the bottom, he'd say, uh, uh, it'd say, uh, I'm hyping and greasing on the most profitable levels. And then, you know, love and peace, he put at the bottom. <laughs> that was a bit of psychedelia for me. <laughs> oh, dear, dear, dear. Get Down and Get With It song first catapulted yeah. into your charts. Yeah, exactly. Um, there were two things that happened with Get Down and Get With It. Uh, one, one thing was we always used to play it. We always used to start off with Hear Me Calling and we would always end 
to get down and get with it. And both were sort of shocking numbers, really, for the time. And uh, like when we went to America, and by then the whole set was like, get down and get with it. And they didn't understand it at all. Now, if you watch all this mm. Isle of Wight festival or whatever festival, uh, Nebworth, whatever it is, all the, crowd, all the acts, they mm. all get the crowd going. And they even write it into the songs now. And, uh, and I think, try to think, when we were doing that, no one understood it at all. They wondered what the heck we were up to. And we always say, you know, it's, 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 it's so that the audience aren't bored. They become part of the band and go along with it just just as if they're in the band and uh but you were 10 years too early you know that that's proved with the u.s success in the yeah, 80s we were we were mm. uh our manager uh told me that um he, he died last year poor guy i, he was, I really liked our two manager he was a great guy and uh uh he told me he was talking to dr john you know the night tripper do you know mm. yeah mm. he said he was yeah. talking to him he said, and he, cause he's re, he really likes Dr. John. And we'd, we'd done a TV show together. And he said, uh, he said Dr. John, I, I don't know what Dr. John's real name is. It's something like Keith or something like that, you know, <laughs> uh, or Herbie or something like that. And he, anyway, he, went and he, he started talking to him. He said, you won't remember uh, a, 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 a band from England named Slade? He said, yeah, I remember Slade. Good band. And he said, he said, a good bass player. He said, yeah, really interesting stuff, you know. And Swin, uh, our tour manager, was really shocked that he actually liked us uh, because we, we mined on that show, which was people in America didn't mind. They played live. So we weren't quite ready for that. Mm. And, uh, well, I mean, we could have done it. It's just that we didn't know that that's how it was in America. And Dr. John played live, you know, he's doing happening in the right place, but it must have been the wrong time doing all that, you know. And uh, anyway, Swin said he really liked Dr. John. He, he said, uh, he said, the thing about Slade, man, he said, uh, he said, they came 10 years too early. Uh, this is what you've just said. <laughs> came too early. But we could have gone back. We, we had a, a, an album that was being released, and we had a, we had a massive tour with Ozzy. And uh, we only did one gig. We came back home, and I was ill, and we never went back, and we never played ever again. Oh, yeah. Which was really odd, you know. I I I didn't want to go back ever. I didn't like America, but I'm sure it's great.
one of the things that sets Slade apart other than the kind of real rock and entertaining element is that you you introduce the the violin into the group, you know, with "Cause I Love You" and that that sound with the the violin and the the you know the stomping, yeah, is you know so distinctive. Well, we'd had to get down and get with it as a hit, and Chaz was ringing me up and saying, you know, we need a follow up. I'm thinking about this, you know, and I, and I said. I said, uh, no, 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 don't do that, don't do that, and, and uh, that we, we don't want that as a single. And he said, well, you know, it'd be a good follow-up, you know, it'd probably charge. And I said, no, 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 uh, and I said, I said, just give me a couple of days, and I got the violin part, because I thought, after Get Down and Get With It, instead of doing something the, st- the same, mm. to do something that was completely off the wall, and then we'd get on the radio, and if it was if it was commercial, you know we'd have we'd have a good shot at, at a big hit. And I'd already got the the uh, on the violin. My old man used to, what's that bloody thing you keep playing? You know, <laughs> and he was always slagging me off, you know, with it. But he wasn't slagging me off really. He was just, he was just you know playing playing with me. I don't mean playing. My my old man was a great singer. He got a fantastic voice. Uh, I I never inherited his voice. Uh, but uh, but it, but he thought it was a well he said it was a load of crap but he didn't think it was a load of crap he liked it really uh, and so so anyway and I took this over to Dodd's house and he looked at me uh, very sort of uh, we used to jam Django Reinhardt and Stefan Grappelli and I got the rhythm and Don and I when we, the band had been rehearsing in this um, church hall and the other two had packed up. Me and Don, we carried on, and then we were just messing about. And Don started doing this shuffle beat. And I was doing this. So when I got the because I love you thing, I thought, hang on, if we put that underneath, and it sounded so powerful. And so I went over to, to see Nod, because we, we used to, Jam, Django, Reinhardt, and Stefan Grappelli. I'd play the violin, and he would do the, the Django, but, you know, the chords. And uh, so, so he said, what are you doing here? And I said, I've come to write a song. Mm. I said, uh, I said, you know, uh, you know, might as well come in. And he, he sort of did. I, I don't think he even wanted me to go in the house. He got his slippers on. It was in the afternoon, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably having a nap. And, uh, and, and so I went in, and it uh, wasn't long before... The lyrics were coming, and and that was it. And uh, it was, it all worked very well. But when we'd done it, it was called "Because I Love You." You know, it was it was called "Cause I Love You" in the song. But "Because I Love You" is what it was called. You know, same as the Beatles mm-hmm. with "She Loves You." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And not "Yes, Yes, Yes." It was one of those. So anyway, Chaz, uh, he said you know, about the t- title, you know, and I said, I said, I think it's wet. So, so you know, I said to Chaz, we need some clapping and stamping on it, and we went back down and we and we put the clapping and stamping on, overdubbed it on top of of, of the mix, and then um, I suggested to Chaz that uh, it'd be good to uh, to call it "Cut uh, I Love You," not "Because I Love You," because that's just wet. Sounds like some sort of uh, old 1940s song. I mean, some great songs in the 1940s. Don't get me wrong, but it just sounded very old-fashioned. Because I love you, you know, and that's what. I, and so, so that's how it came about. And it was just uh, taking a, a commercial idea and twisting it round and making it follow on with the with the stamping and the clapping. It wasn't me who came up with that. Yeah. It wasn't me who did that. I don't. I don't know who it was in the band. I think I went. I think I was on the phone or something. I came back and. And it was already sort of in progress, so it wasn't my idea to do that. I mean, it's my idea to have some clapping on, but not that. So it all worked out really well, and you know, you know, I was I was so looking forward to it coming out, and of course, it romped to number one, and that was great. We never looked back after that. Laugh at you when you boo-hoo-hoo Cause I love you I can turn my back on the things you like Cause I love you 
you uh, kept that that similar sound with your, you know, with, I think it was the next single, "Look What You Done," and I think was was Don influential, and did he co-write that song as well? Yeah, yeah, Don did. Yeah, yeah, it was it was his because uh, I, I used to write with Don originally, mm. but after after I went over that day to Nods, I know he wasn't too enthusiastic, but. You know, he got into it, and, and of course the rest is history. And, and I said to Don, you know, I said I think, I think I ought to include Nod, you know, here. And, and you know, it was almost like, you know, we didn't need to include Nod. It was just that it was a talisman. I didn't want, I didn't want, I wanted to use the same process, you know, because you know if you get lucky once, you can get lucky twice, you know. That's that's the way I looked at it. So I think all three of us are credited on that. And uh, and that's why, because Don had a hand in the writing of it. After that, which was uh, Take Me Back Home, it was a situation where, you know, I went over there and I went over to Nod and I said, uh, I said, what have you got? And he said, I haven't got anything. And I, and I said, well, what do you mean? Haven't you been doing any writing? He said, no. I thought, yeah, we're going to do that. And I said, well, you know, if you come up with something and I come up with something, we've got twice, twice the material. He said, well, you're better than me. And he said, so you just, you know. So I said, well, I've got this, you know. So that was Take Me Back Home that I got. I've heard that that's got a bit of um, Everybody's Got Something to Hide, the Beatles track. Is that true? Oh, except for me and my monkey. Oh, there might be, yeah. There might be, yeah, yeah, maybe. Uh, and it was all right. And, and uh, from then on, that's, that was how the writing became. I would go with the tune. I had quite a lot of the lyrics anyway, uh, and uh, wanting to, instead of walking in and having to sort of negotiate what the lyrics are going to be, I wanted a direction as soon as I walked in 
and and I said to Nod, Nod, so here it is, and and uh, and and he filled in the bits, and once again, it was, that was number one. I mean, you were on such a roll in certainly nineteen seventy two. The the number ones, yeah. the, the the songs must have been flowing. I don't know. Did it felt feel easy? Everything you touch seems to come to gold. I think it was like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I was under. I be from that day when I went over to Nods and I realised I'd got to be coming up with these songs, and and that was always a pressure on me. After that, uh, we actually did the Lincoln Festival. Um, which was called the Great Western Festival. And that was the beginning of festivals, as far as I'm concerned, as we know them now. There were no big gigs in those days. If if bands were touring, they'd do the local Odeon or the local town hall or whatever. Everybody did it. David Bowie, Queen. It doesn't matter who they were. Yeah. We all had to, we, that's what we did as gigs. And then, you know, there were no NECs or Wembley Stadium. There was none of that at all. But when that Great Western Festival was on, uh, we went on there. I think we were, we were th- there were some booze as we walked on because we were considered to be a pop band, you know. But there were no booze when we came off. We could totally stole the show. And, and the next week, uh, I was lying in bed at home. I was still, still living at home. And uh, my mum picked the phone up on the Tuesday. That's when the charts were. And she said, hello. And then I said, and, and then I could hear them. Oh, oh. And she put the phone down. She said, James, you're number one again. Hmm. <laughs> the stairs, you know. But, um, but yeah, I mean, that, that was great. I mean, it's not that it was the greatest record in the world. It, as you said, <laughs> it was more of the, um, or the greatest song in the world. It was just the role that we were on. People were realizing that it was, this was something different, you know. And, uh, and we never, I mean, that kept going for, for a few years after that.
band playing live seem to have an influence on your recorded material. You know, tracks like Mama, We're All Crazy Now and Come On, Feel The Noise. Yeah. It does, in terms of the theme of those records and the, the anthems that you produced, it, there seems to be a real connection between you and the fans and the, the you know, the music. Yeah, well, there you go. Um, I mean, these days, uh, every single that you hear on the radio has got something very simple that the crowd can sing like, hey, oh, we, oh, we, oh, we, oh, we, But then I was trying to do to do that and to have a to have it so that the crowd could or we could just stop playing and the crowd had just carrying on singing. So that was back in sort of seventy two, seventy three. Yeah, Mum, we were all crazy. Was along that line. I think Nod came up with the, you know, the lyric, you know, the mum, mum, we were all crazy. I got the, mama, ma, da, 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 uh, and, uh, and Nod said, what about we're all crazy now? I said, great, you know, let's rock on, you know. So, so that got to number one, but that went in at number two, and the next week, number one in the chart. Bitey Jane came after that. That didn't that didn't get in the, in the top of the pops uh, to number one in the, the the chart that was used for top of the pops, but it did get to number one in the NME 
so it was sort of a bit, you know, it was sort of a number one. Uh, the, the strange thing is, it was held off by my dingaling, Chuck Berry, and even stranger, when he was recording that, which was at the last Lanchester Arts Festival, we were on, we were on the bill as well. <laughs> so that's just a strange set of circumstances. So, and, and then he held us off number one. And guess what? It was like a crowd thing again, wasn't it? My dingaling, my dingaling, with my dingaling, yeah. So that's, that, that, and then, then, yes, we came up with, uh, come on, feel the noise. Feel the Noise, I think, was only the fifth record in chart history to have gone in at number one. 
uh, Squeeze Me, Please Me. Uh, there's only the Beatles. The Beatles were the, were the last uh, record to have done it before us. Um, and then we did it with, with uh, Come On, Feel The Noise. So now we were in a position where, chart-wise, we, we were taking over from the Beatles. You know, the Beatles were the people that had number one and were going, could go into number one. You know, it was a, it was a real rarity. You know, it didn't happen too often. But then when we went in at number one, we were playing Earl's Court. Uh, it was Chaz's idea uh, to play Earl's Court. And we re- released Squeeze Me, Please Me. Uh, now, Squeeze Me, Please Me entered the chart at number one as well. And we held the record for consecutive number ones for about the next 23 years, something like that. Shows you how, you know, I, I'm sort of, we were on ground that sort of never existed before. But we never felt particularly big time about it. We, you know, we didn't. Somehow it was. Uh, I don't know. We, 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 our feet were very, very firmly on the ground. Uh, we never felt sort of super big time. And I think that came over when you saw us on telly. You know, uh, that we were, we were just the lads. You know.
After Come On Feel The Noise was... Uh, what was After Come On Feel The Noise? Was it My Friend Stan? No, you see, I never thought that should be a single. Chas came up to the Midlands with his wife, Lotta. I used to spend quite a bit of time with Chas and Lotta, and, and my wife got on well with Lotta. And... Um, and we used to go down to Chazzy's house and stay there. And, but anyway, he came up to our house in, in the Midlands and stayed with us. And, you know, while he was sort of knocking around the house and talking to Lou in the kitchen or whatever, I was playing this My Friend Stan, the piano part. And he said, hey, what's that? He said, hey, I think that's great, man. And uh, I, 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 said, uh, I said, oh, oh, yeah. He, he said, oh, well, you know, you ought to you make sure you finish that. Well, I, I sort of got it finished anyway, but... Uh, I mean, I never liked the lyrics to that either. I mean, what Nod used to do was to put the cheekiness into it and uh, in the lyrics, to, you know, make it laddish and a bit dirty, you know, uh, have a bit of a sort of um, a risque mm. side to it. So, you know, I, I, I didn't like that with my friend Stan. I didn't like the title either. Um, so, uh, but anyway, I mean, it got to number... Did it get to number two? Got number two? Thank you for listening to the strange brew podcast if you do like the show please consider supporting me on patreon patrons get access to unedited interviews as they're done news plus even access to my exclusive interview archive all your support goes into keeping the show running and moving forward and getting amazing guests to support me just go to patreon.com forward slash strange brew pod or go to thestrangebrew.co.uk forward slash about. Thanks very much, and any reviews on your podcasting services are greatly appreciated. Thank you. <laughs>